everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Anything But Typical podcast. This is going to be a fun one. I'm going to learn as much as you guys are from Dr. Mike Rimels. And he says, call me Mike, which is, man, I love that already. So you're in for a treat to hear his story. And he's got great stories. And he said he's willing to say all of the stuff that uh, behind the scenes showreel as well, not just the showreel, but behind the scenes reel. So we're excited about that. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. So here's the scenario. You have uh, done an early morning workout like you normally do. And now you've come back home, you've picked up the family, you're going to take them on a mystery excursion to a country of your choosing. <laughs> and you are walking through the Charlotte Douglas Airport. Somebody notices you and your entourage of your family. They go, hey, that's the dentist, Mike Rimels. And they start talking about you while they're getting you coffee or while you're walking through the concourse. And they're able, they're talking about you they didn't realize that you can hear every word that they're saying about you. What is it that you would like somebody to be saying about you, Mike? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, it, I think it all, if I could have my druthers, right? Um, I think I would ask them or I'd want them to say that he was honest. Like that, that's like the most important thing. So my dad uh, would always espouse and, and say, hey, listen, it, you've been given one thing and it's your name, like everything else you have to earn and, you know, but you're given this. And, and if you don't protect this at all costs, um, then, then who are you? And, 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 you know, as a family member, um, you know, I have a brother, two sisters in, in town that the name was important. And he kept, kept saying it, like, just anything you do, protect this at all costs. And so I think honesty is probably the number one thing uh, in our group. Uh, when I, so I'm a dentist. And so we interview uh, other dentists and if they want to be a part of our group, we have two rules uh, and that's it. Like it's, that's the only thing you have to do. And uh, one is it's patient first. I don't care about money. I don't care about whatever it is. We're going to make sure the patient is taken care of first and foremost, right? So patient first. The second thing is you will not ever chastise an employee in public uh, ever. Uh, that's an immediate fireability, whatever you want to call it, you're done. Um, you'd be praised in public, we chastise in private. You know, I learned that in the Air Force and uh, that's, that's how we do it. And, and we stick by it. I, mean, I don't care how big a personality or how big a pr uh, producer you are, um, we got to protect our employees. And so, so I think honesty is, is, is really uh, the key thing because I think even if you screw up, even if you, even if things don't go wrong, um, you know, your partners know that you, you're being you're being straight with them. That is rich. Th there's there's a gold mine of information or just wisdom in what your father said, as well as your two rules. Woo! Can't wait. Let's keep rocking. <laughs> All right, perfect. So before we dive in, we'll give the listeners uh, just a quick background of, of who you are. So Mike is an owner of Rimel's uh, Miller Patera, a family in cosmetic dentistry. And Mike, you mentioned uh, lessons and learning things in the Air Force, right? The first one being praise in public, chastise in private. So I want to I want to launch off there. You served in the Air Force. And what were some of those lessons that, that you took away during your, your active duty service? Uh, leadership 100%. Uh, so I was thrown in uh, as a captain. So when you're, when you're in the medical corps, uh, you, you skip the lieutenant ranks, right? You go right to the captain. It's all about, it's all about pay, right? It, it doesn't mean I'm any better than anybody else. It's just, it's all about pay. And so, you know, you go through the OTS, officer training school, you're there for six to eight weeks. Uh, and they just, they just throw all the leadership training that they can give you. And it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, people say things about the military. It, it, it just bugs me because they, we do such a great job in, in the services of training the, the, the young men uh, into these roles. Uh, can you imagine, you know, being sent to Afghanistan at 22 years old and, and, and not have the training? 
and uh, and, to, and to get get through what you have to get through. Um, so it's uh, it, I think the leadership skills that they teach in, in, in the military are just far none uh, the best. I've seen kids join at 18 and then you know by the time they're 22, they are amazing just uh, what they go through. So uh, just seeing those guys, uh, you know I was attached to the special forces. Now hold on. Let me back up. I was not special for, let me just be clear. Right. Uh, but I was their, their, their provider. And so I got to meet guys that are just heroes. Uh, you know, the guy that caught bin Laden, I got to meet, you know, the, the Hussein, uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, the firefight. I, I got to meet those guys. They're just unbelievable young men that are just, uh, given everything, uh, for, for their country. So, you know, leadership is probably the number one thing we learn. So let's expand on that a little bit. What, what about leadership and, and the lessons you learned in the military around that? How has that shaped you as a business leader, right? Because it's very different environments and cultures. Yeah. It, so if, if you ask anybody in our group who works the hardest, right, um, I'm going to bet they're going to say me. Uh, anybody that knows what I do, uh, I'm working nonstop. And, it, and it's really for the betterment of the we won't call them troops, we'll call them employees, right? Uh, but it was the same thing in the Air Force. It's the, the captains work the hardest, right? And majors work the hardest, lieutenant. So just as you went up in rank, uh, you would think that you'd back off, or right? There's just more responsibility. There's, there's more things you have to accomplish and you have people underneath you. So as a captain, I, I had a couple people underneath me. As a major, you have like 30 or 40, and then as you, know, as you move up. So you, you really, it's not about you at that point. It's really making sure you're taking care of everybody else. So I, I think I heard, oh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, he's he's a big time talker on podcast. Uh, and he says, pay yourself first. Well, I will tell you, there isn't one military that pays himself first. It's it's always about everybody else. And now with that, you know, there comes certain benefits, right? So if you if you take care of everybody else, eventually there'll be a windfall for you. You'll be happy. And it's just like taking care of patients. If you do everything right for them, word's going to get out. Right. And then your business will grow. Uh, but it, it, you have to believe that taking care of everybody else first is the most important thing. So I want to pivot a little bit, right? Because as we start to, to go from uh, military into the business itself, take us through the origination story, right? How did, yeah. how did the practice get founded or created? Yeah. So, so we actually own 22 practices. Um, and so the, it, my wife is a dentist and she's phenomenal. So like if, if you're going to see a dentist and you have a choice between the two Rimelses, uh, go see her. She's phenomenal. <laughs> I, and she always has been. She's like, well, you haven't practiced in six years. And I'm like, well, no, you, you've always been better. So let's not, let's not sugarcoat this. But um, what happened, it was, it was just a weird thing. You know, we, we got out of the military Um we can talk about the, the financial, what happened, how we got to where we did, but uh, we, we, we bought a piece of land. Um, I worked extra hours when I was in the Air Force as a civilian. So I just um, accumulated cash and just let it sit in the account. And I knew that we'd buy the land, build a building and then open practice. And two years as an associate, you know, we were actually in the process of building this building. And the uh, dentist I worked for, I'll give a plug, Mike Yagi, the best person I've ever met in my life. He's awesome. Um, he's like, listen, I'm, I'm selling a practice up in he had five. And uh, now I own all of them because <laughs> he eventually just you know, exited it and sold them to me. But uh, he uh, owned a practice in Huntersville. And he's like, hey, listen, you want it? And less than 10 minutes uh, of negotiation. And the negotiation was literally was this. How much do you want? Oh, you're going to own or finance? Can I take one employee? And that was it. Right. And uh, and he sold the practice to me. So it went from we were building a practice and we're going to open from scratch to now we own a practice and we're still building this other one. So she, she opened the one that we opened from scratch just because again, she's so much better patients flock there. Uh, and then I grew the practice, uh, the one we bought um, uh, pretty significantly in the first year. Uh, so that was kind of, and, and it just decided at that point, Hey, we can do this. And so uh, then we just decided to expand from there. So you mentioned your your wife a couple times, right? Let's talk about the dynamic between you two in the business. So let's start with what are the the roles that that each of you have in in the business? We'll start there. Yeah. So so will she listen to this podcast? That's, right. that's what I have. To do we need Do we need to find a way to block her from listening to? This? <laughs> so unfortunately, she's smarter. 
Like, I mean, like, and it's not just, oh, she's my wife. I got to make this, this Mother's Day on, on Sunday. No, it's she just is. And so like, I'll put things in front of her and say, hey, listen, I'm thinking about doing this. And then she's like, that's not the best idea, right? Why don't you try doing this? And, I'm like, and she's always right. And so I do that. Um, I will say she doesn't have the energy, right, to, to grow the business, right? She's there to support it. Um, she hasn't been in more than half the locations, for sure. Um, she doesn't want to know or do anything in terms of expansion. She wants to practice. She loves seeing patients. She loves being in that realm. So she'll always, I don't care if I'm retired, she's still going to practice. She loves it. Um, but it's tough. And, I, and I'll say this unabashedly, um, that I think it's tougher for female dentists. And I know, I mean, here's some groans. Um, but I just see it on a day-to-day basis uh, because she's trying to be a super mom, which she is. And she's balancing that with being a super dentist. And she's taking all the CE to become really great at her craft. But then it's like, well, you got to be away from the family in order to do that. And so um, it, it's, it's amazing what she does. But in terms of the business, I would say she doesn't have anything to do with it other than the practice she works at. So I'm curious. Um, how did you meet your wife? Was she in the military too? Or yeah, you know, funny story. She's a year ahead of me in dental school, and um, I stalked her forever. Like, I mean, like stalked her. Like, I'm not good looking. Uh, it's you know, thank God this is a podcast, right? So it's not can't see me. Um, and I used to go go to her like lab and just you know make excuses to see her. Uh, she had no interest whatsoever. Uh, in fact, one time she just told me to shut up. And it was just, it was fairly embarrassing, um, but fate happened. Uh, she signed up to you know, get the scholarship for the Air Force. I did as well, because I was, my dad was in the military for a period of time, so I wanted to join. Uh, he told me not to do it right, in, right after college, go to dental school first, then go. So I did that, and it just so happened she signed up for the Air Force, I did the Air Force, and uh, she didn't know anything about the Air Force, so, and I had some military background with my dad, so she would call me and say, hey, what do you do here? What do you, and we just started talking and uh, I, I just broke her down. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, that, that is great. So both of you went to dental school before you went into the Air Force. Is that correct? correct. Yeah, we, we got the, it's called the HPS Health Professional Scholarship uh, uh, through the Air Force. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love that. You know, um, what a unique story, man. I mean, that the fact that both of you are dentists and you both went into the Air Force, that's some crazy stuff. I love how you honor your wife too, man. I mean, it's it's um it's refreshing. So thank you for that. Oh well, thank her. She's all she's awesome. <laughs> So, so, Mike, with that dynamic between you two, how do you balance the focus on the business not coming home all the time, right? Because, and we've had other uh, um, owners on here where it's like husband-wife duo team, and I'm curious about that. How do you how do you balance that to where sometimes you can just shut it off and say, "Hey, this is this is family yeah. time only." Yeah. So you're ready for my first admittance of mistakes, right? <laughs> here it is. It doesn't shut off. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. Um, so we, I, I love talking about dentistry. So if we go out to dinner, um, you know, we try to make special nights for us, uh, uh, dentistry will come up because we just love talking about it. Um, the business of dentistry, however, uh, you know, once that starts popping, right. If you're talking patient care, we'll talk about it. But when it starts talking about the actual business side, uh, one of us has to say, shut up. Like this, it, at the end of the day, right. We're building a business. It's just, it's a job, Right. And, and I think too many people, um, when they talk about being an entrepreneur, I uh, think it's a lifestyle maybe, um, but I, I'm of the realization that this is a job. Uh, yes, it is patient care. And, and, and a lot of dentists are afraid to say that we make money treating patients, uh, but the business side, if you just carve that out and say, no, this is, this is just, we could sell widgets, right? And, and we just have to run the business appropriately using proper, you know, BGW, here's a plug. They gave me the numbers and said, hey, here are the percentages you got to be under. This is what you got. And they, they worked through that to show me how to run this business. And, and, and that's great. It has nothing to do with dentistry. It's, it's just a business. Um, and when that starts getting into our relationship, uh, it's just shut up because it doesn't matter. Like, you know what matters? 
three kids, right? Our relationship is, is husband and wife. That's what matters. So um, does it lead to tension sometimes? Absolutely. That's where our, you know, my stupidity uh, occurs because I'll say, oh, this is really important. And then we just have to kind of back up and say, no, it isn't. It just isn't. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to expand a little bit more on that, Mike, because whether it's dentistry or whether it's pushing dirt or whether it's HVACs or whether it's, you know, coding, doing cybersecurity, seems like every entrepreneur has this passion, typically, about this one thing, like your wife and you, it's clear you, ha- you love the practice of dentistry. That's great. We're, we're all thankful. You know? <laughs> um, but every entrepreneur kind of knows their industry. But then the business side of things, a lot of times they don't know that as well. The ones that do well, it's not because they know it well, it's because they surround themselves with people that do and they're teachable <laughs> and they're coachable and they've, they've got trusted people around them. They've built the right team around them. Talk to us about some of the learnings that you've had in moving as you've transferred and, and transitioned in your career from the practice of dentistry and, and that craft to and the patient care and all that kind of stuff that's in that's hardwired into you and that's you fostered to the running of the business and the thoughts that you had initially of oh well this is how this is going to be to the ahas of oh well this isn't necessarily how it was and mistakes or anything that you're willing to share because I know every other entrepreneur out there struggles early on, especially with that. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought about what I would say in the podcast today and uh, last night, I was just kind of you know, just tinkering some ideas like, Hey, what are the mistakes I made? Cause I knew that would come up. Right. And um, I think the biggest mistake I made was not really understanding the vision uh, long-term. Like it was just like acquire fix the practice, make it work. Okay. Go to the next one. And I wasn't thinking, you know, 20, 25 years uh, from then I was happy making deals. We were cash flowing and everything was going great. Um, could I have listened to more podcasts? Yes. Could I have read more books? Probably not. I read a lot. Um, could I have listened to people that have already done it? Could, but, but then I look back and I say, well, those things would have taken time away from my family. Right. And then, you know, in the moment we were, we had young kids and, and I wanted to be there for that. I wanted those type of things. And, you know, could I have gone to more, there, there are these dental lectures that are run by these major corporations that have multiple practices and they teach you how to do this. And could I have gone to those and spend a weekend or a couple of weekends a year? And yes. But would I miss my son's soccer? Game? Yes. Right. And so, so I look back and I say, you know, are those mistakes? I'd say, no, they're, they're not mistakes, right? They're, you know, just everybody chill, right? everybody relax. Run your business as best you can, but surround yourself, like you said, around, with, with some experts. So here's another plug for BGW. Boatsman's great. Hire him, right? He's great. Uh, and I know you don't want me to say that, right? But I'm telling you, uh, I think that the accounting firm has been paramount to my success, right? Uh, where he sits down, actually, I'm meeting with him tomorrow morning uh, to figure out, hey, what's next? So as I grow as an individual, I'm also learning a lot, right? And I actually went back and got my MBA because I wanted to learn more to kind of figure out, you know, what, what's, what's the, what's behind the business. Um, but now I'm thinking so differently than I did, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and it's just growth. And, you know, I, I used to think, oh, I should be really down on myself because had I known this back, it's like, stop, just, just keep going. Stop, stop looking backwards. Um, but I, you know, my dad is a CFP. And so I've had that background with finance, going forward my entire life. Uh, you know, he's been just pounding me with it. Uh, and then, then my attorney, Chaz Riney, um, has been great, you know, making sure I'm not, you know, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I already, I know how to do that. I don't need an attorney. And he's like, Mike, stop. Like, <laughs> you don't, you do, you do need me. <laughs> like, let me just handle this for you. Go, go make money doing other things so you can pay me to do this. And, uh, and I used to kind of be really not, not cheap, 
but it's just, I was always trying to run things so effectively. Uh, but now it's just different because we've grown. Uh, mistakes now are bigger than they were back then. So now the team is more important. Uh, even, even more important than, you know, I know more now, but it's still the team is more important. Like you've, you've got two really big and essential differentiators in your, in your practices. That's, that's very evident as even from the outside, right. Of your branding and marketing, things like that. And you just hit on going back and getting your MBA. And one of those two differentiators, I think is your continuing education, your continual growth. Can you talk about what that looks like for yourself, but also as part of the culture inside, inside the company? Yeah. So, so I, my belief is like, so this goes back to building, right. Um, you follow people that are the best, right? So there's a guy named Adam McCraven. Uh, you may or may not know. He's the guy who caught Bin Laden. He's the, the Bin Laden catcher, right? So he was actually in my chain of command, right? So he was, he's big time. He doesn't know who I am. Trust me. There's no way he knows who I am. Uh, but uh, he, he, I would follow him to the ends of the earth. Like if he said, hey, there's a combat mission and you're coming, I wouldn't even question it. And I've never shot a gun in my life, right? I mean, no problem. I'm with you, right? Because I follow him. I follow him because he's an expert in the field, right? He actually literally wrote the book on special forces. There's a book that he wrote. Um, and so, you know, he's had how many combat missions? How many, you know, what is he? So I'll follow him, right? So go back to dentistry. If, if I'm not good at dentistry, right? Then why would anybody follow me? Why would anybody partner with me, right? And so... Um, you talk about being an expert in the field. I'm a fellow in the Academy of General Dentistry. I'm a fellow in implantology as well. And so I went back and got those extra degrees or certifications or whatever you want to call it. Uh, because I want dentists to know that I'm providing quality care, that, that I'm top of my profession. I only hire people that want to ascend to that or are already there, right? So you, I'm not going to be able to hire a dentist that have these back, because I've, I've been a dentist for 15, 20 years, whatever right and so um but i'm looking for people that are like hey listen that's your resume is pretty good i want to be a part of this right how do i do that right and then we sit down and we have growth conferences with the dentist if they want right i say hey, listen if you want to go do this let's sit down and talk about it. i love talking about finance so we'll sit down and say hey what's what's your number right and so when i say what's your number it's at 65 what do you want in the bank right and so now we back into what their number is and how do we, how do we attain that? So we just have those discussions uh, on a regular basis to make sure that, you know, one, they're, they're getting the, the, the practice knowledge, but then also the financial knowledge. So they're not doing uh, things that would kind of uh, mess them up on the way. And you, you mentioned earlier reading a lot too, right? So it's not just formal education, right? It's also finding times to, get exposed to other ideas, things like that. Do you, do you do any of that type of stuff inside the company for your employees offering, Hey, you should be reading this, or you should be checking out this or anything like that? Yep. Yeah. So I read a book a week. Uh, and I think it's just imperative, uh, to, to read. Uh, now some people say, well, I listen for same thing, like just, but you gotta get the knowledge and, uh, or listen to a specific podcast. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of them out there that are phenomenal. Right. Uh, but I think, you know, finding a topic and really hitting hard uh, is, is, is important. Uh, I'm, I'm big on the topic of taxes uh, just because that's the number one expense. Like, I mean, you guys know this, right? <laughs> so if, you know, if you said, hey, I'm going to spend 40% of my income or 50%, whatever it is on taxes, well, I should probably understand, right? I should try to minimize that as much as possible um, and save, save a bunch of money. Um, and tax advisors are great, but if you don't have a vision of where you want to go and you haven't relayed that to them, um, they're not going to understand that, right? They're going to say, oh, we're going to do this, right? Um, but yeah, so when I talk to Dennis, uh, we meet in my office, and actually the office I'm in right now, and in the back of my uh, desk, there's a bunch of books, just like in yours, but nobody can see it in, in yours, but I give them away, right? I say, hey, have you read this? And I start that introduction. So, uh, and when I meet people uh, outside of our group, uh, if I meet them for the first time, I like them and I want to build a friendship, I mail them a book. And the first book I mail them is Thinking Grow Rich. I think it's the best book ever, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, and, and that starts a friendship where we start 
collaborating on, on different things. Yeah, so I try to try to like we focus on dentistry, but we're also trying to expand in other avenues. You know, isn't it funny, Ben? Um, so Jeffrey Gittimer has been on this podcast before, and he's a personal friend, and his library. Is it's the largest sales book of uh, library of sales books in the world, <laughs> original first edition, and it's just like this amazing thing. But it's the same thing. What what we hear over and over with people like yourselves is this voracious appetite and humility, quite frankly, of for learning and learning from one another and reading. And so this is the the the, the question I'm going to take you down. Because I like practically speaking, I would love to know what a typical day looks like because you've got three kids, mm -hmm. a working wife, you are actively participating in a workout group six days a week, you have 22 locations. How do you read a book a week and do all these things? Can you can you walk through us like different yeah. just give us a practical this is what a day in the life is like mm -hmm. to make that all happen. Yeah. So I uh, work out at six in the morning. Uh, so I have to get up at 545, uh, get there by six, get home. Uh, the great thing is my daughter now is 16. So she drives her and uh, my son to school. Uh, so that's great. And uh, then my wife drives my daughter on the way to work, uh, to school. If she's working, if not, she just takes her. Um, I'm in the office at the latest eight o'clock. I've already showered, done everything, uh, made the bed. Uh, Admiral Craven, right? there's a shout out to him again, right? That's uh, up he here says, too. Make your bed. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so, uh, and then I clean, I make sure everything's clean in the house so that when everybody comes home, everything's clean. Uh, and then I start. And I start, I mean, I'll show you, this is the book I'm currently reading, Venture Deals. Uh, and, uh, and I'll read, you know, four or five pages, right? And then I'll, I'll, I'll have a, a list. Here's my list, right? And they'll say, this is the things I'm gonna accomplish today, right? And then I'll work on that list, hardest thing first, as they always say to do, right? So I, I, I work on that for half hour at the most and I give everything I can. And then I go back to the book and I'll read four or five pages, right? And then I go back and finish whatever I'm trying to do. And I just keep going back and forth, back and forth, right? I don't do meetings. Uh, if I do a meeting, it's via Zoom. Um, you know, or they come to my office. So I have no travel time whatsoever. I cut that out completely. I think it's a waste. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to go visit a practice. Well, the practice is a half hour, 45 minutes away. All right, I lost an hour and a half for the day. I can't afford it. Right. So I'll, I'll jump on a Zoom if I have to. Um, I believe in training. Uh, so I have a management team that handles a lot of stuff. So I meet with the management team regularly, but they come here and uh, I kind of uh, go over the things that need so they can move the needle if, if you need to move the needle to practices. The dentists, the uh, part owners, with, uh, the co-owners with me are great. Uh, we get on the phone if we need to, uh, but it's not very often. And so I try to be done by three. Uh, I work hard until three and then the kids come home and then I goof off with them for a little bit. And then uh, they have activities or whatever they're doing. Um, I know that like last night uh, we had a, uh, a basketball practice from six to seven thirty or whatever it was, and so I had an hour and a half. I can't drive there and then drive home. The drive, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I bring a book with me and I'll read the book uh, while I'm there. Uh, so I, I try to minimize travel. That's if I can give any advice. That's my number one thing because um, time in the car is wasted. Uh, and so um, if I go to a practice, I, I just wait and I sit there and try to get as much as I can in the, in the reading portion. Uh, if I have to interview a dentist or do things like that, that's the time I do it. Uh, I'll do it a, a Zoom in the car or something like that. But I try to decrease the amount of time away from my family. Right? So, so if they're home at three, I'm done at three. If they have practice, then I'll work during those hours. So I find the time. And then at night, I, I, I don't work on the practices typically um, just because it's, it's family time. You know, they say it's not time management, it's priority management. And it's pretty clear you're structuring your days based on priority management. So mm -hmm. I think that's really, really good. I want to take you down another path about because you've done so many acquisitions and acquisitions are very difficult from 
cultural integration, systems integration, all of those things. A lot of people minimize how difficult those things are. What have what are some of the things that you've learned from the first couple to now? Because I'm sure that changes how you spend the day too when you're in the midst of that. So you're smiling. So <laughs> I know there's some stories there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's tons, right? So the first acquisition, uh, I actually was the dentist going in, right? And so we could minimize problems. I I hate this. I was a better dentist than the guy I was replacing, right? It just, I, the staff liked me more. I, I actually fired him the first day. Uh, and the reason is because he threw an instrument at an employee. And so it, we don't chastise employees. There's number one, right? And so I, it gave me great pleasure to fire him. Uh, because I was like, and the staff immediately were like, thank you so much. He's been doing this for, and I was like, all right, great. Uh, but it's the level of difficulty ramps up when you go from a practice that you're working into a practice, you're no longer going to be working. Right. That's, that's the proof that you can actually create a system that works when you're not there. You know? Um, so the first one went all right. Right. And then we took notes as we did it. Right. Then the second acquisition went just a tad better. Right. And, <laughs> But we use the notes we had before. So now we're building a system to say, hey, this is all these things we have to do. Uh, my CFO is Brian Burchell. He's been with me since day one. He is phenomenal, like just the best, right? And so he's, he, he's creating these notes, right? And then, all right, and I stand in the back and just kind of orchestrate things, right? I have a regional manager, have him go fix this. Okay, great. By, by the fifth or sixth transition, it, it was easy. Right. It was just like, oh, we've already made all the mistakes we're going to make. Right. Let's just continue to replicate it. Now, things come up from time to time. Yeah, I should have negotiated better on this one thing. And then, all right, I'll do that next time. But, but I, when it, when it comes to negotiating, right, um, the sale price of practice, you know, a practice is, say, a million dollars. Right. And, and I, I've seen people nitpick and say, oh, I'm going to give you 975 or 950. It, I, to me, that's laughable. I just go with a full price offer. I'm, I'm saying million dollars, great, buy for a million, right? I'm not going to nitpick over 10% or 5%, whatever this is, because I want that exiting dentist to be happy, right? I want him to be like, oh, anything I can do to help, you know, or anything, great. Make it smooth, just be done with it, right? We're going to make that money back up. I mean, it's what is going to take us three months is it, to, to make up 50 grand or 100 grand, whatever it is. I'm, why, why argue over that? So, so we've gotten pretty, pretty good about just getting deals done and, and, and moving on to the next ones, but using the systems to, to kind of um, to, to, to fix the issues. But yeah, initially, man, we, we hosed a bunch of things. <laughs> just... what, what do you do when evaluating a potential acquisition? Mm-hmm. How do you assess not just the financial, the financials and location and that sort of thing, and but also the culture that is present. I'm curious about what you look for. Yeah, so for us, we don't. I, I hate to say it, we don't care. I I, I don't care about the financials. Um, we're going to fix those. Uh, just just show me that you can. You know, if the if the practice produces or has revenue of a million dollars, right? Just prove that. If you can prove that, we're going to buy the practice. And, and I know that sh- everybody that's listening to this that's in the dental field is like, you're crazy. You're absolutely insane, right? But, but the, my feeling is I'm going to create the culture. No matter what the culture is there now, they're, it's going to change. It has to, right? We have a new owner because we, we, I go in with an owner, uh, so an owner-operator, right? So that owner-operator is going to change the culture. It's not going to stay the same. We don't want it to stay the same because – it's not what we do. Um, the, the financials, they could, they could be spending, you know, 15% on what's called sundries, equipment, you know, things like that. We want it down to 5%. I don't care if you spend 15% because we're going to get it down to five. We're going to put our systems in. So whatever you guys do, is just bonus money for us. Like you overpaying for things. Great. Uh, we'll fix that. Right. We, we would rather not a perfect practice, right? Every practice we've ever bought, uh, after six months, I've gone to the employees. Hey, are you happier now or were you happier before? And every time they're happier now, right? We have expectations of our employees. Uh, we, we, we never, I've never fired an employee. Uh, when I went into a practice, I've never said, Hey, you're overstaffed here. We're fired. You know, we're going to keep you and, um, and we're going to make you happy. 
that's so that's it. I I know it's unsophisticated, uh, but it's just how we do it. I I really like it's very different uh, from uh, other acquisition methods and other acquisitions and in other industries that I've seen. Um, what percentage of these practices that you buy are the the primary dentists wanting to you know the the owner wanting to exit and just go into the sunset or they just want to take some chips off the table and they i'm assuming most of them are transitioning out is that accurate 100% 100% yeah i i i like to meet a dentist whether they're associates of mine now that want to become owners or that I've known them for a period of time through study clubs or, or things of that nature. I want to meet them, get to know them well, have them in our system for a period of time. So they're like, Hey, this is how we does business. And then have them become owners uh, because then they're, they're indoctrinated. They're, they kind of know what's, what's going to happen. Yeah, that makes total sense. That way they are the culture bearers. Mm-hmm. They're going in, you implement the systems that they know. Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, and now it, it, it reduces, right, our expansion, right? So there are a lot of DSOs, they're called dental service organizations, support organizations, that'll just go in and buy, just throw money down and just start buying practices left and right and get the arbitrage from myself, right? But for me, let's go back to my two rules, right? Patient first. I... I don't know who you are. I can't, I, I don't know if your dentistry is any good. I, I'm not going to support that if, you know, I don't know if you're a good human, right? <laughs> are you taking care of your employees? You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right? Those are things that, um, you know, I, I want to make sure that, that we're doing it correctly. So it's I'm just going to make one more statement on that, just because of mergers and acquisitions are so underrated as far as the difficulty and especially around this thing called cultural integration. And you've solved that problem by bringing in established culture. When you try to bring in another group, and a lot of times people in the M&A world will look at the numbers, where can we increase value and blah, 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 and just you erase the human component the problem is, is you still have a management team that's in most cases, they're still intact. It's not like a wholesale switch out. So then all of a sudden you've got the oil and water issue and trying to get those to mix. And that becomes so pro- problematic in every time that it's done. So I just think that your approach is really quite interesting. I, I, I really like it. Um, Gary, I'm sorry. Everybody we, can... still, we still have some oil and water. Like, 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 sure. I love to make it sound like, oh no, it's utopia. It works. At... No, we still have issues, right? <laughs> as long as you have people, you have issues, right? <laughs> After hearing you talk about acquisitions and your strategies and things like that, it makes sense why Charlotte Business Journal, I think for three years in a row, has named you guys to the Fast 50, right? Which because of your fast and consistent growth. Um, you're, you've hit on a lot of times your, those two rules, the patient first, never chastising uh, employees in public. How are you maintaining that and making sure, especially if you're not in these practices day to day right now, as you expand and you get more and more locations, mm-hmm. how are you ensuring that as you keep growing, those rules and that culture is being maintained on a consistent basis through all your locations? Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's top down, right? Um, you know, I, this is, this, I hate podcasts because I'm afraid if I say something, then it's like, oh, that's on the permanent record. And I'm, so I'm, I'm a Mike Pence type of guy. Um, uh, I won't bring an employee into a room uh, unless I have a manager with me. Um, I, I just, I won't be alone, right? I, I won't take uh, a female employee to lunch. I won't, there, there's certain things that I just won't do, right? Uh, all our offices for our doctors have glass uh, so that there's no, there's no privacy, right? Uh, we want to make sure we're, we're, we're creating a safe environment for our employees. Um, so when you, when you talk about top down, I, 
I'm very stringent on this, right? And then uh, all the doctors know this, right? So we've had conversations. We sit here and say, hey, we're not doing this. We're not going to get into situations where there's even a question of, of impropriety. Um, and and so they know it. when I hire, because they have to agree to those two rules when, when, when we sit down and have this, that first discussion. And then when I have the managers, uh, whether they're regional or on-site managers, we have that discussion. And listen, we're not doing this. You know, we don't, we, 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 we never allow anything, racism, anything against religion. Uh, we don't, I, I don't even allow Bibles in, in the practices um, just because I, I don't want the appearance because it's a business. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing, just it, we're here to provide patient care. Um, and so it's just, um, I, I just believe if you have the leaders doing it, they're the ones that ultimately make decisions on the employees. Have we had to let go of employees because of racism? Yes. We have a zero tolerance. For it. All right. So uh, we, you know, our hiring practices, uh, you know, I've even gone so far as to say we don't have names on the hiring uh, of the of the applicants because we just want to look at the resume of the person and not because their name may espouse a different religion or, or, or ethnicity or whatever. Right. Uh, so um, it, it's just it's how you treat people. And, and if you're not with us, right, we don't have a place for you. Uh, and I think that's that's critical. That's it, amazing how dedicated you are to that, because that's how you ensure that it gets maintained, right? Other than a lot of times things like that are lip service, right? Somebody will say something as an owner or leader, and then there's nothing in place to actually back it up. So I, I love how how stringent you are on that, which is amazing. Um, and that kind of leads into the next piece of, of you saying the making sure all the leaders are, are doing the, the patient first piece. I said earlier, there are two major differentiators that you can see through your marketing and branding, one of them being the continuing ed. And I think the other one for you is the accessibility, right? You, you're you open on Saturdays now, you've got the, the same day emergency appointments in through your videos online, everything speaks over and over to we are here for our patients, we are here for our people. Um, why in a, a service type world, why has that been the thing that you want to make sure you're hanging your hat on? Yeah, yeah. I'll take it a step further than that. You said we're open Monday through Saturday. Uh, many years ago, I bought an emergency dental clinic uh, in Charlotte that's open seven days a week just because I wanted to make sure patients were taken care of seven days a week. And so if something happens, we can actually have them go to this clinic uh, and be taken care of by an actual doctor, not, not an MD that is just going to give you pain pills and say, see a dentist on Monday. Right. And so um, that was that was imperative. And then also, I, I believe that the dentists are working hard Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, whatever they're doing. Let's have somewhere where Saturday and Sunday, they're not being bothered. Right. So take care of our employees so that they're not coming in on their on their weekends because the dentist can't go in by themselves. Right. Because right, you, you, something goes wrong, you know, uh, or, or he said, she said type of thing. So you have to have an assistant come in. So now I'm bothering the assistant and the doctor. I could care less about the doctors. I care more about the assistant, right? And so, um, so having the this emergency clinic was 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 imperative to us. And so, you know, taking care of patients. You know, you you, you talk about that. Um, we are here for them. If they have an emergency, the rule is in our practice is that they say, "Hey, I'm in pain. Come in now. Like we're going to take care of you. If you're a patient of record, we're gonna we're gonna see, right? If you're not a patient of record, we're still going to do our best to, to see you that day. If not, we'll send you to the emergency clinic because we own it. They'll see you that." And so um, I think it's more important, but there's a balance, right? You know, patient says, I've been in pain. How long? Three weeks. Okay. Like, come on, right? Well, I was on vacation. Blah, 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 blah. I have a job. It's very important. Come on. At some point, we have to have a balance between what, how, how much I'm going to torture my employees by making them work harder and, and, and staying late, doing things like that, and, and what the actual emergency is. A child that, that knocks your tooth out of the baseball game, if I get that call, I'm the one that goes, right? So they actually either come right because I have stuff in my home, like there's a drawer in there. Um, I, I, I'll tell them, come right to my house. Here's my dress, come. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix you or do whatever I need to do, right? Or I've been on multiple times going to their house and just saying, hey, we're going to take care of you because I care about kids. Adults, I was at a bar and I was, okay, I'm, I'm less, less caring, right? <laughs> and so... <laughs> 
So yeah, so so I think it's real important. And all our dad, all our dads are really good about it. You get a call, they're going to take care of it. And you, you take it a step further too uh, with your your program helping better and smile. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want you to talk about that a little bit because I think it's really unique and interesting. Yeah. So we. we we have a huge advantage over a, a single dental office, right? So if, if you have uh, Dr. Susan and she sees, you know, a million dollars worth of patients, a million dollar revenue, that typically is a five operatory practice. She has two hygienists, um, probably three assistants and, and a couple of front desks. And so if they open their day to uh, 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 veterans and say, hey, we're going to do free care for you, you know, whatever it is, then, you know, how, how much can they see? Well. At our practice, our, our, one of our locations, we have 21 operators, right? So I can say, hey, we're going to close down two days a year, right? And we have 22 other practices or 21 other practices. We're going to close those down too. And we're going to have all the dentists come to one location. We have all the hygienists, right? And we're going to see veterans, you know, because veterans got hosed, right? So in the 80s, uh, they were promised dental care for the rest of their lives, right? And it was taken away. Like a lot of people don't know about this, right? So um, they were promised certain things and then it's like, oh, budget constraints, oh, we're going to take this one. And so if they have an emergency, they can go to the VA hospital. Well, that's, you got to wait until you're in pain before you can be, no, that's not right. So what we thought was, hey, why not twice a year, find the veterans all throughout, you know, Huntersville and the surrounding area and they can sign up. And what initially was, it was, hey, come in for a clean exam. You know, we'll have these dentists and then we'll do a couple of things if needed. But I'm not that way. So the day the day of the uh, the, the event, uh, I came in and I don't do I don't see patients unless there's some extractions that are easy and I'll just do those. Um, but uh, on that day, I'm the quarterback and I sit there from you know, six to five or whatever it is, um, in the morning and to, to six to five at night and uh, and I grab the patient, put him in a chair, diagnose the problem, and find every problem with him. And then I grab a dentist and I say, "Sit here. This is everything I want you to do." And, and, and then when you're done, call me, right? And so rather than doing one filling or one cleaning, they're completely taken care of that day. Uh, and so we, I think we did $80,000 worth of dentistry on both days. So 80,000 one day, 80,000 another day. And we just killed it. I mean, just absolutely, uh, we saw hundred patients and every one of them left uh, with all their work done, right? So if, if it was extractions, if it was fillings or cleaning, whatever it was, they left with it. And then we go a step further. Right. If a patient comes in and they need their teeth taken out and they need dentures, right? Dentures are not cheap. They're actually fairly expensive. And so um, what we do is we say, okay, well, we'll do the extractions today. Uh, and then we'll set you up for an appointment with us for the dentures. And all you have to do is pay the lab. And the lab bill is, I mean, it's still not, not cheap. It's probably $200 a denture. But each denture in the rural world costs about $3,500. So $7,000 worth of treatment for 400 bucks. So we, we think it's fair. We, we pick up the cost of the assistant, all the equipment we use, everything. Just pay the lab bill for me. Uh, and, and they get that. So we do about three or four sets of dentures probably every time. And then, then we also do implants. So if, if it's like, oh, they have a perfect smile with this one, two, we just do the implant for free. Uh, and, and, and the implants, they're not cheap either. That's amazing. Anybody well, listening to this? No, like, what's amazing is, is these guys. These guys are amazing, right? Spent 20 years in the service, like getting paid nothing, right? So they actually, the eight. so if you guys know anything about the military, there's E enlisted and then E1 through E3. That's the, the lowest pay grades in the military. They technically are in poverty. Like they qualify for Medicaid. They qualify for all these government stuff because they get paid such a low amount. And then even... Even later on, they're not getting paid wildly, right? And then they're given 20 years of their life. Well, government should be providing all this up for. Am I on my, am I on a, uh, what's that, uh, the, the pedestal or something? Like box. <laughs> yeah, my soapbox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the list is the least we could do. I, but I love that attitude, Mike, because the same need is in front of everybody. Everybody sees it. Not everybody's a dentist, but we can all do something or we can step over the problem and pretend that it's not there. 
And so I, I love your heartbeat. I'm just curious, like anybody listening to this, like you're an exceptional human being, just how you structure your day, how you structure your priorities, how you defend those priorities, how you find ways to make sure that those priorities are addressed versus allowing the tyranny of the urgent to you know, sweep you away. And, and we all have moments, right? I, I know you've been very clear. I'm not walking this perfectly. I'm a flawed 100%. human being, right? So I get that. I'm just curious, like, what are some of the things that have contributed to your heartbeat and sensitivity, do you think? You know, was it your, your family upbringing? Or like, talk to us a little bit about the why. What, what are some of the contributors to the why for you? That, that's funny you said the why. That's another great book everybody should read. Um, that's that's our, our culture. I talk to every dentist. What is the why? And focus on it. But uh, sorry to get off on a tangent there. Um, the, uh, you know, so it, my parents were obviously a huge influence, right? And so, I mean, I still remember my mom taking in battered women. Uh, you know, instead of going to the shelter, we'd take them in. They, they'd stay in my room. I'd go with my brother. Um, you know, they were always doing things for other people. Um, and so, for me, it's just, you know, having seen the military, you know, that that's just near and dear to me, you know. Uh, so, you know, I meet, meet these guys, meet the challenges they, they go through. Um, so, but it, it could be anything, right? And so if, if, if you're in a profession that is able to give back something, you know, what what's important to you, right? And, and it, it may not be the military because you didn't see it. Maybe, it. maybe it's better women or maybe, it, you know, some other cause that that's important to you. But, you know, I, I would say, you said something about being exceptional and I'd say absolutely not, uh, not exceptional in any way. Um, my wife is, keeps me grounded more than, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's just keep working hard and then just look out for the people, uh, you know, that you, you, you make money and it's great. Uh, we, we, we actually, our goal is to set up foundations where 90% of everything goes to a foundation um, just, just like the, the gates. Now I'm not at the gates level. I'm not the Buffett's operator, but, but to be able to, you know, I don't want to pass it on to kids in, in next generation. They got to earn their own. Like I, I, I'm these trust funds. It, no, it's, it's not what we are about. Um, but if we can build something up and that, that's why I, I like to think that I work so hard is because now I can build that up and then we can do more good. Right. Instead of, you know, just kind of being on the sidelines and, and, and watching, um, you know, we got some problems going on in America. I just, I don't want to be negative, but we do, right? And, you know, call, name a problem we got, right? So maybe there's a way to help with that. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. So on, on that note, you had talked earlier of one of the things that you struggled with early on or this mistake you made was not having a clear vision of the future, right? It was go in, do an acquisition, clean it up, move on to the next. Yeah. And now you're at the point where your talk is consistent of impact and uh, consistent growth, both personally and professionally and how you're treating the employees, things like that. So what, what does your vision look like, whether it's vision for yourself as an individual or vision for the company, you can take it either way. Yeah. Uh, so it's tough because you say, what, what is, so this is any company, right? So you know, the, the effects of private equity have just, just run rampant. And I, I would assume all industries, right? And so uh, at least attractive industries. And so dentistry is an attractive industry. I think, uh, you know, it's harder to find acquisitions. It's, it's, it's you know, we get asked to be bought out on, on, on multiple occasions uh, at certain multiples and all this. So that's the type of vision. I didn't build it for that, right? And, and that's where I say I was short-sighted. Right? You should... Should we have built it faster, better, sold it to PE, fat, you know, and it got this huge multiple and happier? No, I, I, I don't think that makes me happier. Uh, I, I love the relationships we built. I love the staff. I love going into practice and, and knowing that they're, they're paid every time on time because shockingly, it doesn't happen in dentistry. <laughs> you know, our owners are well, we're not paying you this week. It'll be next week. You know, uh, we, we've never missed a payroll. Uh, we've always met uh, the the promise of, of what we said we're going to pay and those type of things. And so, um, yeah, so I, I, I guess your question is, you know, 
did we just step into this and 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 now we just got lucky that we're here at the end, right? Or not that this is the end. Um, but I think that's kind of what happened. And uh, and I, I never profess faith, especially in, in public, but there's probably something to do there, right? Uh, so, uh, but I would say going forward, uh, it, it's always been a, 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 a want of mine to open a clinic uh, that was three days for fee, right? And two days for free. And that those three days paid for the two free days. And so it is, is in essence, a, 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 a charity that pays for itself. I, I, I'll tell you, uh, I don't give out money to charity. Never have, never will. Right. Uh, we send it all to a foundation. And then the foundation finds charities that are in need. Right. And then we use the interest off the principal to pay. And, and so we can grow it that way. Uh, I just think that if I give money to, say, um, an organization, they're going to spend it immediately. Right. If I give it, in, but I, I want to give them uh, the, the interest off of it because I find that charities are always asking for money. So wouldn't it be nice to set up a charity that doesn't have to ask for money? It's self-supported, right? And so that's that's kind of the next level of, of where we want to go in terms of the charitable arm. So another Mike, uh, he's a chiropractor. Mike Astramonte was on here with uh, Starmount Healthcare. And that's very similar to his heartbeat too. If you don't know him, we'll have to connect you to him. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you guys could do some damage. <laughs> you already are in a good way. Um, also, a fitness guy too. But um, well, it also wow, this is rem so reminds good. me of some of the conversations we've had around B corporations, right? These for-profit organizations that are creating positive impact on their communities, on their employees, on their customers or, or patients. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that there for sure. So. Yeah. Mike, yeah, this... I, I'd say that the, nope, the, 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 yeah. So, so have you interviewed any um, young person recently, like just you know, in college or just graduate? Oh yeah, ninety percent of them. 90, I want to work for a nonprofit. <laughs> like, yep. I said, they're like, oh, come on, <laughs> go be make money and then like then give it. You know, like it just. All these nonprofit workers, it just increased the expense of the nonprofits. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, oh, that's exactly right. That's, that's why I think we're going to see more, more B corporations and companies with mm -hmm. causes and purposes, right? Because this next wave of employees impact means significantly more than ever before. People want to have purpose in their lives. Mm -hmm. And you're, you've created an organization that does that, right? It, serves its patients, it treats its employees the right way. It has an additional impact and purpose tied with it. You've got a vision of the future of creating even greater impact. It's it's unique to see. And, and I think what you're doing, people will be emulating down the road. Well, that'd be great. That's why you're on this podcast, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anything but typical. <laughs> we've been lucky. We've been so lucky and we've been intentional about who we have on here, but it is a, it, it, it brings so much hope and joy to me to hear business owners like yourself, Mike, that are really trying to do it right. Keep learning, keep bringing in the right people around them driven by purpose. And it's inspiring. So thank you for inspiring me today. And I know that the ripple effect, not only in our community, but anybody listening to this, hopefully will be inspired to go do something too. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, it, it, I, if I could just one second say thank you to all of you at BGW. Uh, and I know this is not an advertisement, blah, 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 uh, but it, you guys have made a big difference in my life. Uh, so thank you for allowing me to do this for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we appreciate that. Well, we will we'll send people to your website. Uh, there's a lot of amazing things on there, videos and, and articles and things like that people need to check out. Um, anywhere else, Mike, that you want us to send people? I'm old. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Twitter. <laughs> I don't, I, it is not my goal to be in any social media presence. Uh, but if they do have questions, 
um, or you know, if I can help in any way, uh, they can email me. Uh, it's mreimel, so M-R-E-I-M-E-L-S at yahoo.com. I'm so old, I have a Yahoo account. So any, any, you know, my daughter makes fun of me. So you don't have a Gmail account? <laughs> well, perfect. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. This is really good.